everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Slurms Matt Court. How you doing? I'm very well. Yourself? Uh, not bad. Not bad. So um, it was funny. Uh, last Saturday, I... Uh, uh, in the middle of the uh, the regionals, uh, I was like, hey, listen, we're going to have to plan to tr- cover the uh, track and field nationals yeah. every single day. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, like, there's no way that Oregon's advancing past this Vanderbilt team. You know, this is a great SEC program. And uh, boy, they really take baseball seriously in the South. Uh, so, you know, the, <laughs> they, you know, the SEC and the ACC got a 12 of the 16 uh, regional hosts. And, uh, so therefore, you know, Oregon hasn't got a shot. Well, five of the, uh, 12 uh, of those hosts, uh, got run out of their own ballpark. Um, this looks very much like the softball situation where the sec and, uh, to some extent as well, the ACC was just like a massively, you know, overrated, um, you know, the Southeast quadrant of the country. Um, right. and, uh, as they are in many sports. Yeah. Go figure. Um, yeah, like, like you know, not just like th- they sent a bunch of teams to regionals and then they were eliminated. I mean, hosts like regional yes. hosts run yeah. out of their own ballparks. Like Auburn lost two straight. Right, exactly. So did Clemson. And, and, and their home park. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, Arkansas got humiliated by TCU. Um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, 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 and a couple of, you know, there were a couple others on the line, like Florida, the number two seed almost got you know, run out of their park by Texas tech, uh, Kentucky almost got run out of their park by Indiana. Um, uh, uh, you know, down, down the line, um, uh, uh, you know, it was just, you know, the sec had a pretty bad showing. Um, and yeah, you know, the very first one, uh, was, uh, was Vanderbilt getting run out of their park by Oregon um, yep. uh, and Xavier, but then Oregon ran Xavier out, you know, sadly the sixth time was not the charm uh, for Xavier. Um, that, that, yeah, I don't know how many times you play another team, not even in your conference six times in a season. Yeah. Uh, you know, those, you know, you guys, might I, be able to play, you could play Oregon state five times if you played, you know, the three counting games and then the one f- for fun or why ever they do yeah. it. And then another game in the postseason. Yeah. But which is actually how softball went. If you look at the women's college world series, like Washington had to eliminate you like three PAC 12 teams wound up in the women's college world series, like getting past supers to the WCWS right. and Washington had to eliminate Utah. And then Stanford had to eliminate Washington. So like nobody can beat the Pac-12 except for the Pac-12. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> unless you're UCLA and then some or, nobodies or, can yeah, beat or, you. Yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> well, there's another example of a highly ranked team that that got run out of their own building again. Yeah, that I mean it's that off, one's on kind of crazy. Side. But I mean that's the yeah. only one in the Pac-12, you know, Stanford survived right. uh, you know, Texas A&M on the baseball side, but like yeah, Miami was the other A&M team that got run out of their uh ballpark. Um Oregon State was not able to run LSU out of their ballpark. Uh so nope. mm, uh, uh, you know, sorry, uh, Beeves, you know, there is a superior baseball team in the state of Oregon. Um, <laughs> you know, send them some free tickets for the 
regional yeah. Super regionals this weekend. Uh, even though Oklahoma State got run out of their ballpark in Stillwater, that was uh, the the regional that Washington um, was in. Washington was powerless against Dallas Baptist and Oral Roberts. Um, yeah which is why uh, uh, Oral Roberts wound up advancing out of that regional and uh, is the same super that Oregon was in, which is why the super is coming to, to Eugene. Um, and yep. and uh, Oregon will get Oral Roberts uh, uh, here in Eugene. Um, let's see, who is the last team that got, who is the other one? There's, uh, there's one more. Did I name all of them? We, it was... Auburn, Clemson, Arkansas, Miami, Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's five. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, you know, that that last game against Xavier was the one that, you know, just got cracked open, right? Like Oregon won mm-hmm. 11 to two. Um, it just got worse and worse and worse. You know, like the, you know, it was, it was, it was a scoreless tie at in the middle of the fourth. Um, and then Oregon tack, you know, puts on one run. Um, uh, I, I, I think it was a little small ball, right. You know, um, oh no, it was, it was Sabine Tobias hit a home run. Right. And, and yes, then right. that was just like breaking the seal. Right. Like, uh, you know, then it was a three run bottom, the third that it was, you know, just a very Oregon, you, you know, or, you know, yeah. cause it goes to the top of the order, right. Like, you know, initiative, uh, you know, gets on base, you, you know, then steals second, which is the most like initiative thing to do in the universe. Right. You know, and then, <laughs> then there's the throwing error. So, you know, and then he, he gets, you know, home then, uh, 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 Bryce Betcher, the the football player, uh, the football team keeps sending out tweets about you know about this guy. I love it. You know he he gets walked and then he advances second on a balk. You know because like because yeah. Xavier's pitching is just like totally failing them, right? You know, um, and then Cowley doubles and, and he scores. And then the the, the bottom of the six, just like the you know Xavier's pitching is just completely failed him. And Oregon puts up six runs and like this is now starting to look like a Fibonacci sequence. You know, yeah. it's like zero. Zero, one, three, six, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's really getting out of hand. And that's because the reason why I'm starting out talking with the third game is just like the, these poor kids, you know, like it's, they, they, they've had to battle this whole way. They beat Vandy to, 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 to run them out of the park. Um, but like, that's it. They're, they're out of pitchers at this point, which is yes. why I like in the, in, in the structure of a, of a double elimination, you know, regional tournament, you have to stay in the winner's bracket. You know, you have to win those first two games because then you get the buy, you know, and, yes. and, and then you, you know, you get to, uh, you know, you get to give everybody, you know, a break. And meanwhile, the other team, you know, has to battle it, you know, and, and nobody has the bullpen to win, to, to play four games, you know, yes. like, Especially, you know, especially like two in a day and then, you know, try to yeah. play again the next day um, yeah. is very difficult. And, and you know, Oregon, by winning their first two games, basically could stick with whatever their normal three game pitching rotation yeah. might be. Right. They didn't exactly. have to worry. Wouldn't they? I mean, sure. Are they going to might they have to use extra pitchers during the courses of the game? Yes, but they always have to use extra pitchers yeah, during exactly. the course of most of their games. Well, but they I mean, can still stay with just the regular game, rotation. Use- 
you're you're right but even then in the third game they use the fewest pitchers of of all mm-hmm. you know they they only use three they start out with a uh, uh, Grayson Grinzel who pitched four uh, uh innings and then Umland uh, came in for one um which is a little weird they only you know he he pitched very well but then they pulled him after only one inning but like yes. you know uh, Xavier didn't get any hits in it um you know I'm not sure why they pulled him but then they put in Logan Mercado um for the last four and like Logan Mercado did the worst of all the pitchers you know he's the only Um, one to give up a run yeah Uh, or or hit you know or no uh uh, you're right Grinsell gave up some hits too but he gave up you know three over four innings yeah yeah but yeah but but he got seven strikeouts you know whereas Mercado gave up you know got none didn't get any yeah yeah exactly I was just like you know and hit a guy you know, yeah, so, exactly. So, yeah, that was that's an interesting pitching decision. Uh, yeah, beats to, me. But I mean, the game is change. Over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, by, once when, you got past the six, that was it. I mean, when when they put him in, the game wasn't over, but like you could feel it because it, it was like it was four to zero at that point, and it was like Xavier's not coming back. You could you could tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, you know, setting that game aside, which like I said, sort of just just structurally, that the the series was done. Um, you know, as, as soon as, as soon as Oregon beat, uh, you know, Vanderbilt, this, it was done. And really as soon as Xavier beat, beat Vanderbilt, you know, Vanderbilt might've been able to come back, but like the fact that they weren't, you know, able to against Xavier, right. meant there was, you know, well, they got to win twice hurt. too. That's the other thing. I mean, even, even if Vandy gets past Xavier, they got to beat Oregon twice to advance. Right. Which is, I mean, not impossible. They're not. A, they're a good enough team to do that. But it's very difficult at the end of right. uh, a regional like that when you've been playing all these games on basically short sleep to have to then win two games against somebody. Um, yeah, you know, is difficult. I'm now I've now switched gears, though, and and I'm making a different argument than the structural argument. I'm making an actual like who you are as a team argument. Mm -hmm. And like, look, man, if Xavier couldn't beat Oregon in five games, you know, Xavier wasn't going to beat him in six games. Um, Yeah. And they definitely weren't going to beat him in seven games, um, which is what they would have had to do. Um, Vanderbilt, on the other hand, you might think was a team that if they could have out of the losers bracket um, beat Xavier, you know, could have gone on to maybe, you know, win two games against Oregon. But as soon as, you know, if you pull up the box score and look at how they performed against Xavier, like that team just wasn't good enough. Like, even if like a miracle happened, like if they won that game, even though they didn't deserve to, like the umps gave them a a win, you know, which they were tried to write. There was a four hour weather delay, (laughs) blue sky. Like I was looking at I I pulled up weather cams from the local, you know, Nashville uh, weather station or news station, which has like Mm -hmm. the 24 seven weather cam, you know, from the blue skies, man, like the complete. phony baloney weather right for four hours you know where xavier has three outs to go to knock them out like complete phony baloney you know uh, a weather delay dude so anyway if somehow they be you know vanderbilt just wasn't good enough like it wasn't going to happen even if you know god's gift they were able to 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 be awarded that win that you know it just wasn't a good enough team and you could see that in the game that they played against Oregon, like 
like, you know, Oregon starts out in the first inning, you know, putting three runs on them, you know, and then they come back and get another run in the second inning. And then the fifth inning, they put four runs on them. And it's just like, this was with, you know, Vanderbilt's, you know, they, this is what they were expecting. You know, they, it's not like they had a challenge against Eastern Illinois. They weren't playing their best pitcher. You know, that's what, that's what you get being a regional host is that unlike the, you know, when, when you're not the regional host, you have to start out playing your best pitcher. Because you can't afford to get surprised and go down to the loser's bracket, right? So you got to play like it's a winner go home, even though it's not a winner go home. You got to play like it is. Though, on the other hand, if you're the regional host and you get in Eastern Illinois type of a team, the right. advantage that you get is that you get to throw out your like your number three pitcher, right? So like the, you know, Vanderbilt gets to start out with their a squad against Oregon. And what does Oregon do against their a squad? They put up 10 hits and eight runs, you know, including, you know, three runs in the first inning, which indicates that Vanderbilt like, Hey, Vandy fans, if you're listening, your team sucked (laughs) and your conference sucks and anchor of gold, our sister site. On the SB Nation network, if anybody like wants to go check out a bunch of clowns uh, uh, who don't do a very good job writing uh, previews and are uh, pretty disrespectful and uh, and pretty much all they did was write jokes about people's names and including a, a couple of pretty fucking racist jokes oh, um, about a couple of dudes on Oregon squad. Go read Anchor Gold's uh, preview about Oregon or, or their game thread. Uh, yeah, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty pleased about the outcome in this game. Yep. Yeah. Me too. Um, There's some, also some very clever duck hunting, uh, yeah. comments and jokes on there as well, yeah, which yeah. You know, were very original. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if that was it, uh, you know, th- those, those wouldn't roll off my back. Like, uh, right. That's okay. Duck. But some of this um, other stuff I, I read through it and it's like, come on, they're just yeah. delusional about what, what was going to happen. And then what did happen. Yeah. I was just like. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, they're just like, oh, guess what? You're not prepared for anybody to hit your best pitcher or hit hit off of your best pitcher like right. at all. You know, like, huh? I wonder why that should be. Um. So yeah, it was a pretty gratifying performance. Um, and, and you know, pro- probably indicates that you know, Pac-12 pitchers, you know, are 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 uh, are are no more uh, uh, easy to uh, hit off of than you know vandy's pitching uh, yes. you know because it's basically exactly the same hitting performance. like did l- l- let me ask you that question slurms did you see anything in oregon's batting performance against vanderbilt that was like this seems out of the norm for the way that oregon batted against pac-12 teams no not nothing in fact it's like the same it, it was exactly the same ball ball. Yeah, you, you look at the the innings that Again, as we've talked about before, the number of multi-run innings was the same in the Vanderbilt game as it was in any other game you'd care to point to, where yeah. they get they get on these offensive rolls and they, they just feed on the positive energy and, uh, you know, put up three, four, five, six runs in an inning. And it's like, you know, that's hard to come back from. I don't care how good your team is at bat. When, when a team keeps putting up multi-run innings, uh, you know, you have to be ready for that. And it, clearly, if if what was written on the, the SB Nation site is any indication, they weren't expecting anything like that, which to me means somebody didn't do their scouting work 
Nope. On Oregon before nope. this game or before this, the regional. Or just made some assumptions about like yeah. the Pac-12. The weak like, Pac-12 well, is, you know. Oh, they were hitting the pat off the Pac-12, but like mm-hmm. this is the SEC. So like that, you know, that, that doesn't apply. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Surprise. In terms of uh, the other way around, you know, Oregon's uh, uh, pitching versus uh, Vandy's uh, batting, um, y- you know, uh, Oregon in that game, they started uh, Turner Spogerek, um, who, you know, is sort of between him and Grinzel are, are looking like who they're going with in the absence of Stofall. Um, as they're like, uh, I guess we got to go have this game, you know, like, yes, right. um, you know, Spolgeric, you know, started the first six innings, um, you know, get, you know, uh, uh, four earned runs, you know, uh, six, six hits, four earned runs, you know, two, two walks, um, uh, you know, n- not the greatest, you know, performance in the universe, but like enough, you know, um, they then ran through basically three guys that I would characterize as between, you know, relief and closers, Austin Anderson, um, who did not do a great job. Like, you know, he, he's sort of, you know, in other games, he was a hero. In this game, he came in and basically immediately gave up a run, and then they immediately right. pulled him, which I was like, okay, I'm down with that. You know, yeah, like, th- yeah, th- th- yeah. <laughs> That's enough. Like, he, he gets a strikeout, three walks, and gave up a run. I was like, yeah. in, in, in one out. I was like, yeah, you know, in that, that strikeout. I was like, okay, he fine. hasn't got it today. Yeah. Let's move on. So they put in Matt Dallas um, for the rest of the inning and then one more full inning um, and, and, you know, gets it done, um, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, faces four batters and puts them all down. Um, and then um, Laris comes in and, uh, to, to close it and gives up, you know, two runs, <laughs> and, right. you know, a walk and a hit. Walks and, a guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is like, you know, my ongoing like, uh, you know, you know, now at this point, you know, Oregon had opened up. You know, you know, Oregon at one point is up in this game, I think, eight to four. And, you know, and so like Anderson gives up a run and then Malaris gives up two runs, you know, so it gets down to, you know, bottom of the ninth. It's down to one run. But then Malaris, you know, ends it, Um, you know, uh, actually, it ends, I think, on a double play. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which was a sweet. It was a sweet double play. Um, Yes. In fact, I think it was a sweet double play. No, no, that's the next game. Never mind. Um, uh, but anyway, the uh, 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 yeah, so it was just like, you know, my ongoing, like, I don't actually think that Malaris is a very good closer. Like, he doesn't actually really have control of his pitch. He just throws heat. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, is it like I, I, at the very least, I, you know, I know I've said this a, a few times, but like. I think that in the absence of any real ace, you know, given that Aeon is injured and that given that, uh, that, uh, Stofall is injured and, and apparently now shade is injured too, Colby shade, oh God. uh, and was is like really tight lipped about it. He's not like giving us any information. Um, I, I, at the very least, like the bullpen is enormous and that was seems to be like not shy about yanking guys. I mean, there are times where I think he's not, fast enough on it but like right at least he does it you know like he doesn't there was a point earlier in the season where he's like let me see if i can get a complete game shutout you know because i did that last time and then right. 
you that sense. Uh, so I'm like, good. Uh, so just this like constant rotating of pitchers. I'm just like, good, 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 good. That's that's what you got to do. <laughs> like, yeah, you and, to find the find the guy with the live arm is you know what you're trying to figure out there. Yeah, and honestly, like you know, and... Austin Anderson, who was like the you know one of the heroes of the Pac-12 tournament. As soon as it was obvious within like, you know, like, like, like two at bats, you know, oh, you don't got it. You're gone. You know, it's just yes. like, yeah. yeah, yeah, please do that. So I was down. Yeah, I was down with that. Yeah. Very um, satisfying regional, I have to say. Uh, yeah, I was, I thought that was quite enjoyable. Um, uh, uh, they have Oral Roberts next. Badwater is uh, uh, working on the preview uh, for that. It's a, you know an interesting team from from what I've looked at so far. Um, you know the, their RPI is not very good. Uh, they, they basically dominated what appears to be a very bad conference, the Summit League, and so mm-hmm. their RPI is very poor. Um, I think it's in the forties, um, but it's possible that their rpi is very poor through no fault of their own um uh uh um and and like the you know on the other hand they have taken some losses to a a poor conference so it's like you know it's it's not quite like super dominant um on the other hand like their performance in the regional was better than their performance again like their batting average and their era is better in their three games in the regional than it was um during the regular season so it's like i don't know maybe they're peaking at the right time so you know this is very interesting and i'm looking forward to reading yeah it's hard you know it's really hard to and here's the thing i like about college baseball it's amazing to me how many good players there are playing college baseball because you have all these teams that you would, you know, you look at it beforehand, you're kind of handicapping it out. And you're like, yeah, this team's got no chance. And then they win the re- the regional um, and the Oral Roberts being a perfect example of that, where you would not have picked them. I don't think nope. uh, to win that regional, but it turns out that at least against the competition that they play, they're actually quite good. They've got a bunch of guys that, that hit for average. Uh, they hit, they have some hitting for power again at a, a, generally speaking at a, a lower level of competition than Oregon plays. But of course the only game we have in common between the two teams, the only opponent we have is the Washington Huskies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Oregon of course lost three in a row to the Huskies during the regular season, but then beat them in the PAC 12 tournament and uh, Oral Roberts eliminated Washington from the regional uh, in a very high scoring game, 15-12, I think it was, uh, in that game. So um, I think, I hope that Oregon's not taking them lightly because, again, there's tons of good baseball players. It doesn't seem like, it's not like some other sports where there's a really obvious drop-off in talent level between the top division and the next division or the division below that. Baseball seems to be a better mix of, doesn't matter quite as much what, conference you're playing in or who your opponents are you can put together a pretty good squad uh in spite of that yeah and it's also a game in which you know one swing of the bat you know like yeah can change everything yeah 
Yeah. And like, you know, or just like one bad pitch, you know, like mm-hmm. one, you know, sure. if your your pitch gets away from you just a little bit and, you know, the batter, you know, lines up that, you know, if your breaking ball just doesn't have quite as many RPMs on it as you, you know, as you wanted to, like, and you would walk the previous batter, like, oops, that's two runs. And in a, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a tight game, like, yeah. Ooh. so like, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a game that can turn quickly. Whereas a game like, I don't know, like basketball, for example, is a game where it's like, it, th- those sorts of things don't happen because it's like, you know, there, there's because scoring is constant, you know, in right. basketball, yeah. um, you know, uh, so, so, uh, you know, at, at, well, at any rate, like, you know, it's a three game series. Um, uh, so, you know, hopefully stuff like that gets, gets ironed out. I definitely like that it's being played in PK park, uh, oh, you know, yes. so everybody gets to sleep in their own beds. Um, uh, and they should have a pretty good crowd, you know, like it's very nice baseball weather. It's um, all sold. It's sold out as I understand it. From, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from the information I've been able to come up with as all the games are, I mean, we don't know how many games there's going to be and we know the two, um, but, I, but whatever happens, the, the entire series is sold out, which is a testament to, you know, Oregon fans. I think it's great. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back, we'll talk some golf. So both the uh, men's and women's golf uh, seasons have come to an end. Uh, both of them played uh, in their respective NCAA championships, and uh, you wrote up uh, the uh, both of them. Uh, you want to start with the men's or the women's first? It doesn't, makes no difference. Let's start with the women because they finished before the men did. Um, and un- unfortunately, the women... Uh, didn't make it all the way to the NCAA tournament itself. They were knocked out uh, in a regional competition uh, back in the Midwest. Uh, and it, it's unfortunate because they never just, they really just never got going as, as this team has done, you know, last year's team particularly was a team that had come out of the gate hot and they just stay hot. They'd be in, you know, they'd be in first or second place in these tournaments. Um, it, from the get-go in the first round, they just come out and and really be shooting well. That didn't really happen in uh, in what was the Westfield uh, Indiana Regional, which is where uh, they they were sent after uh, doing doing pretty well in the Pac-12 tournament and qualifying for uh, for the regional. Um, you know, the first day they were six over um, and. 15 shots out of the lead, which for this team is, has been extremely unusual over the last couple of years. Um, and they just never, they were 10th and the 10th out of 12 teams and five, uh, the, the top five would go on to uh, play in the, the NCAA championships in Arizona. And they started off the first round in 10th. Um, they weren't, they weren't that far behind, you know, getting into a qualifying position, they would have had to improve by about eight shots or so that day. So it was close after the first day, but then they never, just never really, um, got going. They never improved really very much, uh, and, or enough, I should say that they could pass any of the other teams. And they, they ended up overall, uh, in 10th place in the regional, which was not good enough, to qualify the second day um they actually shot three three strokes better they improved by three strokes but now they were 30 strokes out of the lead mississippi state just went crazy in this tournament um 
uh, with their shooting. And, and the Ducks were, were also now 14 shots out of being able to qualify for uh, nationals. And, and at that point, it's just, it's too big a hill to climb, unfortunately, for the 14 Ducks. 14 in one day. Yeah, it's, it's just, um, you know, I suppose there could be some circumstance where it would happen, but you're not you're not expecting enough teams ahead of you to do so poorly that if you do well, you're going to be able to pass them. Um, and the Ducks improved every day. Uh, they shot 294, 291, and 288 for the three days, so they ended up nine over uh, for the tournament. But Mississippi State was 19 under. Hmm. So, you know, they really, um, they just really were not uh, in, ever in the regional. And it's unfortunate because this has been a good team and obviously uh, made it all the way last year to the NCAA tournament and came in second place um, there. And so, I mean, it, um, it's not like it was, you know, second by a wide margin. I mean, it, no, they no, were right no, they, there with Stanford. Yes, they, I think no. they lost 3-2 in the, in the, yeah, exactly. the final yeah. day. It was a matter of a couple of strokes would yes. have slipped it to be a 3-2 victory for Oregon, you know? Yes. That's right. So it, you know, obviously it's, and it's the, the other good thing is that, you know, this was primarily, I shouldn't say good. The other surprising kind of thing is that this is primarily the same group that was here last year. Yeah. And I mean, it's they, two freshmen, but otherwise right. like, you know, it's, it's senior Brianna Chacon, right? Uh, right. Uh, junior Cynthia Liu and Ashley Park, right? Right. So yeah, so know, they've got the core of of obviously a really good group, and um, you know, so so the future looks pretty good, I think, um, uh, for this team going is, forward. Is Chacon coming back for next year? You know, I I'm not sure. Um, you know, she's listed as a senior, but as I put in my article, that doesn't mean what it used to mean. Yeah. Um, with with the COVID year and and all of the other uh, things that are going on with extra years being awarded to people for um, various and sundry reasons, I'm I'm hopeful that she's got a year of eligibility left, but I I don't know for sure that she does because she's a really high quality uh, golfer, obviously. I mean it. It, I guess it's great that, you know, a team that, that finished so highly last year, you know, the core of that's coming back again, but like the core of it came back this year and it seems right. like they took a, a big step back. Like what you got an opinion about why that happened? And Well, it's some of it is um, the new people that have come in to the team didn't perform as well as the, the girls that they lost. That's, I mean, but that happens in every sport where you have to replace somebody with somebody at least as good and hopefully better than, than the senior you're losing or the transfer person you're losing or whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, aside for they, they were second in the Pac-12 championships, uh, which is, you know, great and just as good as, as the previous year. Um one one of the things that's possible is that the course that they played in Indiana was not a course that their games um, show best on. And that can happen depending on how the course is set up, what the weather conditions are. I mean, everybody's got the same weather conditions. You're but some you, golfers think can, maybe they just had one bad regionals. It's possible. Yeah, because that's what it, I mean, if you look at the scoring, um, that's kind of what it looks like. It looks like they, you know, they were a little inconsistent and they, they either came up against a 
a course that they couldn't do well as well on, or uh, somebody had a stomach virus. I mean, there's a million possible reasons why that could have happened uh, in the regional. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't, it's, it's definitely obviously not the same level of play that it was a year ago, but I'm not sure it, it's instructive on the direction of the program, because again, Pac-12 conference golf is very good. It's one of the, you know, one of the top two or three conferences, I would say, as far as the best teams um, in the country. And coming in second in the Pac-12 championship says something about the quality of team you have. Um, But, you know, you look at this and you've got, you only have two players on this course that they played in uh, Westfield, Indiana, that were under par. Um, Cynthia Liu and Brianna Chacon were five under and three under respectively. Everybody else, um, you know, was way over par. Uh, Nagano was 11 over park was 12 over. Um, Yikes. That's where, that's where you've got to improve. Those scores have to come. If you're going to compete in this regional and get to nationals, the national uh, championship tournament, those scores are the ones you have to improve. Nobody's going to complain about somebody that shoots under par for three rounds, but you can't be four over every day or, you know, three over every day uh, and, and have that be your counting scores because you're just not going to be able to compete with the top teams in the tournament if that's how um, you know your third, fourth, and fifth people are playing. And how about the men's side? Yeah, the men had um, a, a, actually, I think, a, a slightly better and almost a, um, a surprisingly better season than the women did. Uh, they did they did quite well. Um, they they. They made uh, the the regionals by coming in fifth in the Pac-12 championships, uh, which is what they had to accomplish, what they had to accomplish, basically, to to move on. And then they had a really good um, regional in Michigan where they played uh, at the bath course there and came ended up coming in third in that regional. And, of course, five teams from the regional ended up uh, going on to uh, the NCAA championships. Um the NCAA championships for Oregon were an extremely uh, weird circumstance. And I wrote about this in my article where you had one of the top Oregon players, Greg Solhog, step on a tee and have it pierce his golf shoe and pierce his foot. Yeah. And I've never him, heard of anything like this. Before. Neither have I. And Casey Martin said he, he's been around golf for 50 years, which I believe, and he's never seen anything like it. And it's just, it's, it's just hard. I wish I could see, I wish there was video of it. Cause I'd like to see if you can see if maybe it was one, a tee that somebody had used previously and, and broken in half where it's got a really sharp point. Cause usually the, you know, golf tees have kind of a blunt point I mean it's not blunt, it's pointed, but it's, it's not, you know, it doesn't look like a sharp point. Um, and you can imagine the amount of leverage that you would have to have as your foot came down on that thing. It'd have to be just in the right position. So your foot came down on top of the point um, and and drove, did not drive the tee into the ground, which is also weird. I don't understand 
you're on grass. I mean, how hard is this turf that they have um, in in Scottsdale? Probably pretty hard. I mean, it's hot there. But but the leverage to jam that thing all the way through your golf shoe and into your foot to the extent where you have to withdraw from a tournament because of the injury. Um, I, we need to get a physicist on the on the call here to to explain how that's possible. It's just a crazy circumstance. And I, I don't think it, I don't want to imply that it made the difference between, you know, Oregon competing for the national championship or not, because that isn't what happened. Oregon was in 22nd or 23rd or 24th place out of 30 teams at the time. But it it's just like, I remember seeing the there was a story on my Yahoo feed or somewhere about, you know, top golfer has to withdraw because of bizarre injury or something like that. And I didn't even open it because I didn't, you know, didn't mean anything. They didn't have a picture of, of anybody that I'd recognize or Oregon gear or anything. And it was only later that I figured out, oh my God, this was an Oregon guy this happened to. Uh, just a crazy, crazy deal. And, um, you know, as I said, didn't, I don't think it made the difference between winning, uh, you know, being, being competitive or not. Oregon ended up in 27th place out of the 30 teams. So they were not close to getting in. They play three days of stroke play and then the top 15 teams get to play a fourth day of stroke play. And then after that, they do the the brackets, basically, um, where it's one team against another team and best of five players um, is what wins, as we were talking about earlier with last year's um, women's team. So Oregon was never a threat, I don't think, to make that part of the tournament. But the fact that they qualified, I think, is a a real feather in their cap um, for this squad. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back, we'll talk some football. So uh, my preview series rolls on. This week was uh, UCLA, uh, the home of Chip Kelly, uh, going into year six uh, in Westwood. Uh, I guess I'm Everybody a thought he'd surprised. be back in the NFL by now. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, sort of the, 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 you know, I, one of the things that I put up as, uh, as part of my article, you know, it's the very first chart in it is, uh, you know, how much the offense and defense is just completely separated, you know, like the offense ranked number five in F plus, you know, at the end of this year. And it, you know, the, the first two years are very rocky for both the offense and the defense, but then starting in 2020, you know, it's, you know, it goes like, you know, 25th ranked offense, 13th ranked offense, fifth ranked offense. And then the right. defense goes like, you know, uh, you know, 68th ranked, 79th ranked, 84th ranked, you know, it's just like this, you know, the offense keeps getting better and the defense keeps getting worse. Um, you know, it's, and that's really the thing that's, that's, that's remarkable is just like, just like how, you know, everybody observes how, like what a, you know, sloppy and kind of lazy roster manager Chip Kelly is and like diving into the roster management, which is like the point of this series, you know, really just drives it home. So like, you know, going through, you know, it's remarkable how much they're losing on, on offense, right? Like they're losing their quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's like the all everything for, for them, you know, like the, he was there for five years, 
like which is crazy, right? You selected yeah. him as their yeah. starting quarterback. You know, very because Chip Kelly gets there in 2018. The first thing he does is select DTR as their fre- true freshman starting quarterback, right? And he's there like all five years. I mean, misses a couple of games, you know, with injury, but otherwise, it's like every single game that you that Chip Kelly has been there, you know has been there it's been dtr um to the point where like this is one of the things that you know michael hannah and i our, our podcast guests like discussed you know for a long time it's like it's difficult to sort of tease out you know the idiosyncrasies of ucla's offense like what's chip kelly and what's dtr because there right. are a lot of idiosyncrasies sure. to it um and uh and yeah we sort of like get to you know find out uh, you know, finally in year six, you know, some of the, the <laughs> answers to those things, I suspect a lot of it is chip Kelly, like almost all of it, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, in particular that like, he'd, he, like he, he doesn't, he's not into a full passing progression. Like he's not right. into you stand in the pocket and go one, two, three, four, like even five, you know, uh, uh, and, and the only time you run is the, the pocket breaks down and you have to, uh, for chip Kelly, like the way that he designed his passing plate, there are some exceptions to this where like he does go down through, you know, a, a fuller progression, but most of the plays in the playbook, the, the passing plays are like, He's trying to engineer one guy to be open, maybe a second guy, um, but most of them is just one guy. Um, and like, and and when I say engineer him to be open, what I mean is that everybody else in the pattern is about running the defense off, so that that guy okay. is is not just wide open, but then has room to run, so that it's a big play. And then if the defense actually does wind up covering that guy, which like, guess what? Chip Kelly, you know, is not as smart as he thinks he is. He doesn't actually engineer that guy to be wide open as often as he is uh, counting on. Um, The next read in the progression is not a check down. It's not the second guy in the progression or the third guy in the progression or the fourth guy in the progression or the check down, you know, or the hot read because it's a blitz, you know, or any of the other things that are part of like a normal passing thing, which 99% of other football teams do ever since like air Coriel took over football, you know, 30 years ago um, or, or longer it's um, Dorian just run. Mm-hmm. Cause he's the best yeah. athlete on the field. Right. You know, for for the 11 people um, on, on UCLA's offense and the 11 people on defense that he's facing on in, you know, most games that he's playing, Dorian Thompson Robinson is the best athlete on the field. And so the second read in the progression is um, Dorian Thompson Robinson just runs and just makes up his own play. And like and. And even if Chip Kelly doesn't want that to be the case, he needs that to be the case because his offensive line isn't very good. Like, I know, you know, a lot of UCLA fans think it's better than it is, but it's not. Like, I've been studying this line for too long. Like, it's just, you know, it doesn't protect him that well. Um, and, 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 and like, he has to, like, even if that were not what the playbook was supposed to be, it's what the playbook would have to be because he would have to scramble because like he doesn't get protection that lasts that long. So anyway, like DTR winds up bailing like that's 
Chip Kelly, but also it's the offensive line that Chip Kelly has created. And so like DTR, when I say like he's the all everything to UCLA's offense for all every year that Chip Kelly has been there. And so we're entering like complete unknown territory. Like I'm not exaggerating even a little bit like this is totally unknown territory. And that's just the quarterback position. There's, you know, and I detail it at great length. Like yeah. I take up, I take up, I think like eight paragraphs in my article talking about the structure of the offense uh, for all of that. And then all the different quarterback options, because he's got six quarterbacks on scholarship, which is like right. two more than he should have. I talk about two guys that he shouldn't even have on scholarship and make a bunch of jokes about it too. Um, and, you know, so there's all of that. And then, you know, I talk about, you know, sort of the wide receiver and the tight end thing and the fact that he only throws it to two guys. And so therefore, you know, what's he going to do? You know, cause like one of his options for the quarterback is Dante Moore, who ain't a runner. You know, he ain't Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yes. And so I'm like, one of the ways that this offense goes is he actually takes this seriously and he designs, a, you know, in a, 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 a passing offense that actually goes through the, the full reads and takes advantage of Dante Moore's full skill set, you know, where he goes through one, two, three, four, and he takes advantage of he's got a nice wide receiver room. He actually put one together, you know, and he's got he got Maliki Matavau from Oregon, you know, so he actually has a tight end to throw it to, you know, he he, he has all the tools, you know, in, in order to to make this work except for he maybe doesn't have an offensive line. And so maybe, you know, and maybe he doesn't actually want to do it, you know? So like, you know, right. so I spent like all this time, you know, setting up like, you know, like there's one of two ways that this could go down. One is the thing that I'm sort of hoping for just as an analyst, because I would like to see it, which is that he takes Dante Moore's and his wide receiver room and his tight end room seriously and sets up like this progression passing offense. That would be cool. Um, and the other way that it goes down is the, the, like the cynical thing, which is that he just tries to do DTR on the cheap, which is this, uh, um, you know, the ball, the, the, I, I, I'm sorry, the G five quarterback that he brought in Colin Schley. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on this. He went to, um, uh, before, but like, who's like a poor man's DTR, um, you know, cause he's a runner. Um, and uh, and just tries to do that all over again, where he's just throwing it to two guys, you know, and it's the constrained, you know, progression system and just run and the offensive line can't really hold up long enough, you know, because he, you know, and that's the other thing is that he's trying to put, he's going to try to put three different portal guys in for his offensive line, which like I don't think is going to work. Um, and it's like and it'll just be the old Chip Kelly thing with an inferior quarterback. And, yeah. and you, you won't see Dante Moore. Like he's going to have to pull Dante Moore because he's not going to be athletic enough to do the, the DTR thing, which is just like suck. It would suck for everybody. Um, but it's well, like, I'm sure that Moore went there thinking he was going to be able to compete for the job. I'm sure. Uh, despite I'm sure the fact they made that he's, he may not be an exact, um, you know, great fit for what Kelly in the back of his mind, at least, I wants know, to do. And I mean, I mean, for but, any UCLA fans who are listening to this and thinking this is just a bitter Oregon fan because they lost the recruiting yeah. battle, like, I promise I'm not bitter. I'm genuinely yeah. hoping that Chip Kelly, like, does the cool thing, like, does the, you know, the progression. Because I, I really would be cool if he, you know, because he has the, the, the wide receiver room to do it, like, and he mm -hmm. has the quarterback to do it. 
Like, I'd really love to see it, but like, I don't think that Chip Kelly has it in him. And I, he definitely didn't do it on the offensive line from a recruiting and development standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And what, who's the offensive line coach there? Do you know? Jim Drevno. Yeah. And who's I, the I only wondered... guy that, that Clay Helton <clears throat> ever fired. That's how bad he is. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, God. Because I was wondering, I was reading through this thing, and you were talking about how, you know, they didn't really go out and look for, you know, defensive help or whatever in, in it, through the portal or in the in recruiting or anything. And that, you know, from my perspective as an Oregon football fan during Kelly's time is one of my big beefs was, I mean, they had some good defenses, but that wasn't the focus the focus was obviously on yeah. what he wanted to do on the offensive well, side of the ball I mean, the thing and, that was remarkable oh, go ahead I'm sorry I was just I was just going to say it seems to me that if you're the defensive coordinator or you're the offensive line coach and the head coach isn't really that interested in what you're up to uh you should take control of that and tr- you know convince players or the coach or somebody to to come to your school to help build the program on your side, either in the offensive line or on the defense, if you're the D coordinator. Well, but that's the thing about Chip Kelly at Oregon. That was his, you know, look, Chip Kelly's secret weapon at Oregon was Chip Kelly, but his, the other secret weapon that he had was that he inherited Mike Bellotti's staff which included Steve Greatwood as the offensive line coach. Cause apparently this is one of the things that Michael Hanna and I discussed extensively. Like it's crazy that he's not more interested in the offensive line. Cause you would think a football purist would be really into offensive line stuff. And he's just not like his recruiting and development for offensive line has been terrible. Um, and instead he's just trying to plug it up with, with portal guys. And they're like one year rental portal guys. It's the other crazy thing. Um, and, and and the other thing is that he inherited Nick Aliotti on, on defense, uh, you know, and, and and basically the entire defensive staff who like and he was just like, well, I can let you do your thing, which is what he try, has been trying to do at UCLA. And it's just like and he just hasn't hired very well. He hired Jerry Azanaro to do it. And that guy sucked. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and then there was the Norwood thing. And then unfortunately Bill McGovern, you know, t- took over and he only got through about half a year before, you know, basically cancer, you know, um, caused him to, to have to take time away from the team. And then eventually, uh, he passed away from it, unfortunately, uh, last week. Um, and this was, you know, it was very difficult for me, you know, to, to, it was difficult f- for me to learn about that. And it was difficult for me to write about that because essentially, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was difficult because fuck cancer. Like that's yeah, exactly. awful. It is awful exactly. that he, it is terrible that he fought off cancer. It was able to come back to, f- to coaching football, which is his passion. And then for cancer to come back and take his life it is like how just absolutely wrenching for him and for his family and for the players who I'm sure love to play for him and for, and I'm sure it weighed heavily on the staff um, and like selfishly for me as an analyst, as a writer, it was painful for me to have to write these words, um, which were, I don't think it would have mattered if he hadn't stepped away from the team. Mm-hmm. 
because the defense that he was coaching would have been just as bad. But I don't really think that's Bill McGovern's fault. Like the the reasons that the defense was bad are structural. They they didn't start or stop with him. They start and stop with Chip Kelly. And just the absolute neglect on the defensive side of the ball and the fact that he didn't inherit Nick Aliotti, you know, he, he had to, to construct that and he's just has failed to construct it. And you know what's crazy, too, is just going back to the offense momentarily, you know, to, to talk about, you know, the, the, the roster management of it all. The roster management, you know, because that, that it roster management encompasses more than just the dudes you pull out of the portal. It, it also includes the guys that you process out of your program your recruiting, the way that you balance your recruiting across classes and positions, um, your development, like all of it. So like, you know, I don't want anyone to mistake what I'm about to say for like Chip Telly did a good job on roster management on the offense because it's way bigger than the single thing that I'm about to say. Um, But on one particular question, which was he needed to replace a lot of dudes, a lot of producers from his number five offense. He needed to replace his quarterback, Dwayne Thompson Robinson. He needed to replace his running back, Zach Charbonnet, who was arguably the best running back in the league. He needed he didn't have a tight end last year and he really needs one. Um, He needed to replace both of the wide receivers who were the only two guys this offense were really throwing to Jake Bobo and Kaz Allen. Um, And uh, and he needed to replace three offensive linemen. And you know what? Uh, so that's uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, uh, uh, six, seven, eight. He, he went and get, got eight guys. Uh, actually yeah. got nine. You got an extra running back um, to, to be a, a short yard specialist who arguably was also somebody that he needed. So you know what? Like it was perfect. It was perfect to the guys that he got and each one of them are like accomplished, you know, dudes. I actually question that he got a Colorado offensive lineman. But other than that, like, I mean, it was perfect. Like every one of those guys I like, I like Schlees, the backup quarterback. Um, I, I like the the running back that he got. Um, I like the other running back that he got. I like both of the wide receivers. I love the wide receivers that he got Sturdivant um, from Cal and Ford from USC. I like Matavau, the, the tight end that he got. Um uh, I, I think the why the the offensive well I told you about the offensive lineman but like they're all good choices and it was surgical you know it was like exactly the guys he should have gotten you know and it's like now the defense oh my god it's like a drunk person did it. You know, it's like you ever see that picture that floats around on the Internet about it's probably apocryphal uh, You know, where it's like the top left picture is like this is what a normal spider's web looks like. And it's like yeah, beautiful right. and yeah. elegant and like it's all well distributed. And then it's like all the other panels are like, this is what a spider that was given alcohol, you know, or or marijuana right. or PCP, or LSD or you know, or LSD. <laughs> and like the sp- they're all like crazy, you know, and it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like that's what, you know, the offensive spider web looks. It's beautiful. It's like it's all well distributed and exactly how it's supposed to look. And the defense, all the different defensive units look like, oh, look, the defensive end looks like it was, you know, done by someone on marijuana because they didn't do any work at all. And the, you know, the defensive tackles looks like it's someone who was drunk because they only got one dude who was from like the FCS, you know, and the 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 linebackers look like it was somebody who's on angel dust because there's 12 people in this unit, you know, and like, uh, yeah, it's like. Yeah, exactly. It's just like it's it's complete just 
bonkers. Like it, it looks like each one of the units is run by individual like fiefdoms, you know, rather than mm-hmm. like the coherent, you know, whereas the offense looks like it's totally coherent, right? Because of course it is. The head coach yeah. runs the offense, you know, right? right? Um, and, uh, you know, but the D and so it's like, there's, that's the lesson, you know, as we, as I, as I say every week, when we talk about other teams, we're really talking about Oregon, you know, that's the lesson, you know, so Dan Laning is a defensive guy, right? Right. What was the better side of the ball last year? The offense. Has Dan Lanning say. in the way that he's been managing the roster both last year, you know, his first year with the program and mm-hmm. this going into this year, his roster management, has he struck you as a guy who's been favoring, you know, the defensive side of the ball in like the way he hires coaches no, or the, the, the roster management moves? <laughs> has it looked like the offensive side has been like haphazard and random, whereas the defense has been highly calculated? No, not at all. No, Dan Lane doesn't do that shit. Chip Kelly does, though. You know, so that's something that I'm grateful for for Dan Lanning doing, and that's something that you know, having examined UCLA's roster, it's something that it's taught me. You know, and and also like Dan Lanning didn't go get you know a quarterback that he made like wild extravagant promise. I'm extrapolating here, but he didn't go make right. a, you know wild extravagant promises to a quarterback that he probably can't keep. You know, that that would require yes. like radically changing, you know, what his offense would be, you know, uh, 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 right. Like, I really, I, I you know, I, again, I, I know this might sound, you know, like sour grapes or something, you know, I really genuinely do, uh, don't do not feel like that that's the place that this is coming from. But like the, the that like everything I've been studying Chip Kelly's since 2007 man like mm-hmm. I, I i the the number of people on the planet who are more of a film study expert on chip kelly than i am i, I think you could fit us all in a car like a, a mini cooper frankly yeah um yep. that i do not know how chip kelly is gonna make a uh, a pocket passer quarterback work I do not know how Chip Kelly is going to make a guy with Dante Moore's skill set work. Um, that is not to say that it's going to be a catastrophe. Uh, I don't think that Dante Moore is going to be like, I hate it here. Uh, that's that's not what I'm predicting. But I am saying that like Chip Kelly is going to have to turn on a dime to, to be able to use the skill set because this is not the skill set for the quarterbacks that he has had in the successful offenses that he has operated for 15 years. Well, and that's and, one of the things, you know, we've, we've come back to this theme repeatedly about the separation line between college football coaches that are competent and ones that are really outstanding. And it's the ability to look at the players that you have and, and, if you need to change something to make those players successful in what you believe should be happening, then that's what you do. You don't become hidebound and think it's got to be this one way and I'm going to shoehorn this kid into this box because that's what I want to happen on the field. If you've got a player of real talent at quarterback and he's a pocket passer and you're not used to running a pocket passing offense, the great coaches will figure out a way to make that happen or vice versa. Yes. If, if, 
if you if your system that you're most comfortable with, you know, uses a certain type of quarterback and a guy comes along and says, I, I don't fit in that system, but I'd like to go to your school. Y- you might need to tell him, I- I'm sorry, I-, I can't really use you to the best of your abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got somebody else on the line, you know, because they do. Yeah. They have a guy named Justin Martin who's they took in the 2022 class who's a perfect fit for Chip Kelly's offense. Perfect fit. He's not ready. He's not going to be ready to play this year, but he already has a backup court, you know? So this year, you know, what he should have done, I think is, is take, you know, Ethan Garbers, you know, the backup, have that guy play. It won't be perfect, but you know what? This was going to be a rebuilding year for them. Anybody, everybody would have given him, everybody would have understood with DTR leaving and all the other pieces that he had to replace that like, this would have been a rebuilding year. You give Ethan Garbers, you know, uh, that, you know, that year, ah, shucks, but then Martin's ready to play the next year and he's your new DTR and you roll with him and like all would have been great, you know? I really feel like, you know, that would have been a smarter thing to do, but he didn't do it because it was like, well, I could have gotten Dante Moore. Yeah. So hooray, you know, and, right. and like that makes me. Yeah, it makes me my recruiting numbers look better. And I'm, everybody's impressed that I recruited. But I mean, that's the disability that you run. But you're right. <clears throat> Ultimately, you're right. Your construction of this is correct. Never be a specialist. Mm-hmm. Specialist, you, you know, to 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 quote. You know, one one of the great uh, uh, movies of all time. Uh, you you over specialize and you breed in weakness. If you, if you don't know how to use a transcendent talent at quarterback, so that you're ultimately going to waste his talent, that means y- you have failed. Yeah, that's on you, not him. Yeah, yeah. And, and so w- again, when we talk about other teams, we're really talking about Oregon. One of the things that I appreciate about Dan Lanning is that I think he could. You know, this is one of the things that actually Michael Hanna unprompted brought up uh austin nova said he was like mm-hmm. i wish that i wish that he you know he basically said i wish that chip kelly had gotten austin nova said I, I think he would have been a really good fit for chip kelly's offense you know and so it's like so let me get this straight dan lanning had two guys on the hook he had both you know uh, dante moore on the hook and he had austin nova said on the hook because both of those guys could have been fits for the offense that he wanted to run mm-hmm. because the offense that he wants to run is agnostic. Yeah. So it's built around the talent he's got. It, Cause he could build an offense around the talent regardless mm-hmm. of what that talent was over specializing. You breed in weakness. All right. I think that's going to do it for us this week. You got any parting words of wisdom for us, Slurms? No, so I'm super looking forward to this regional, this super regional this weekend. I think it's going to be a, a fantastic time, a packed out PK Park, and uh, you know, let's go Ducks. Uh, yeah, and uh, should be pretty good weather. Uh, June in Oregon is a wonderful time for baseball. Um, you know, I really enjoyed uh, the Vandy Boys, which that's a choice, is the <laughs> official Twitter name uh, for Vanderbilt Baseball because, like, all leading up to the regional was just like nothing but golden hour photographs of their baseball team, summer baseball in the South. Man, it was so glorious. And then, uh, and then the game started, and they were real quiet. Uh, they were real quiet about you know their beautiful weather. Um, in in nashville <laughs> which uh uh right up until the point where they had to take a four-hour weather delay because there was like right, a single yeah, cloud in the sky the, the sky was too blue yeah exactly 
uh, yeah, sky, sky being too blue. That is a, a big problem in Nashville. Uh, I guess sometimes it rains there, um, but it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>